On today's episode of I-501CU, the podcast for nonprofit board members, we're actually interviewing a CEO, Jessica Muroff, the CEO of the United Way Suncoast. And she's gonna share how she came in about three years ago, right before COVID, joined the organization and led it through a cultural change. So please join me in listening to Jessica. Hey everybody, this is Michael Corley. Just wanted to let you know, we are now sending out a weekly, very brief newsletter tips, tricks, pointers to nonprofit executives. That includes both board members and CEOs, executive directors. If you're interested in receiving this, please go to thecorleycompany.com forward slash newsletter, and you can sign up. Once again, that's thecorleycompany.com forward slash newsletter. Well, please welcome Jessica Muroff, the CEO of United Way Suncoast, who's going to join me today. We're going to talk a little bit about culture because we know culture eats strategy for breakfast. But before we jump in with the questions, Jessica, please introduce yourself and tell the audience a little bit about you. I am so excited to be here. Thank you for having me, Michael. Um, I am um, the CEO of United Way Suncoast. Uh, we serve um, uh, West Central Florida here, five counties, um, Hillsborough, Pinellas, uh, Manatee, Sarasota, and DeSoto. Uh, most of my career, I think I finally have hit the tipping point of, of, of more of it being in the nonprofit sector, but I started out in the for-profit sector um, and working in marketing strategy and communications, um, spending most of my time at Raymond James Financial. And I'm so grateful for that that experience and that business background, because I think it's made me who I am today and the leader that I am. And, and so when I transitioned to the nonprofit sector, while it was certainly a huge um, culture shock um, and, and a huge difference, uh, I was able to, to really tap into those skills to really elevate and improve um, three organizations. So I worked at Frameworks of Tampa Bay, which was a small nonprofit that focused on social and emotional learning. Um, for youth. And then I went to the Girl Scouts of West Central Florida, and now I'm here at United Way. And it has been um, an amazing journey to serve the community um, in, in, in those ways. And, and I look forward to doing it for many more years to come. Well, you certainly have made an impact in the community. Your name is well known. Tell me, how long have you been CEO? And this is kind of I'm leading into this question, because I know when you started. So could you describe a little bit what you becoming CEO of the United Way Suncoast and when that was? And Tell us a little about your your first, oh, maybe 100, 120 days. <laughs> the reason why I'm laughing is because I started United Way Suncoast in November of 2019. And if you all, I mean, everybody in the world knows that all of a sudden we had this thing called COVID that arrived at our doorstep. You know, we started hearing about it in like late December and then January. And then, you know, we, we went into full quarantine at the end of March. Um, so my first, you know, 100 days were very much so responding to uh you know what was our pandemic plan i mean i mean we didn't have uh we didn't have a guidebook for to say like this is the way united way is going to respond to a global pandemic that we didn't have that blueprint uh but you know when i first stepped in with 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 such enthusiasm and energy uh, I, you know, really it, it, my first priority, and I told the team this before I came in. In fact, um, I presented to my board and to our entire staff team, you know, my framework, um, my core values as a leader and the framework by which I was going to be, you know, uh, uh, I guess, you know, showing up in these, these first, these first few months. And it was really a lot of, a lot of listening um, and a lot of learning and assessing and, and taking in as much as I possibly could from every part of our organization. 
Uh, and when within the first six weeks, um, I clearly ma mapped out and had created actually this PowerPoint deck that's you know part of my <laughs> communication style. Um, but, it, but visually, but visually representing you know what I what I assessed and what I saw, what I the, you know the high level learnings of things, both the 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 opportunities and the, the successes that we had, as well as the challenges that we had before us. I outlined um, our headwinds. Um, and the tailwinds that we needed to embrace and then mapped out a, an 18 month um, high level roadmap for what I was what we were going to accomplish together. And what we looked at was our operations, of course, our governance model. Um, of course, we can't do anything without resources. So we looked at our resource development efforts and strategies. We can't raise money if we're not doing really great things in the community. So looking at our community impact strategies. And then finally, of course, our brand. And then when I presented this, it, of course, to the board and our team, you know, around this whole thing, around all, you know, the five of those, you know, key elements there, what envelops all of that is culture. We can't make anything um, happen if we don't uh, address and strengthen the culture of the organization. So I really did make sure that um, both our board and our team knew that culture was everything. And it was a place that we were going to focus, but also being being very clear. And I remember I was really nervous because I presented this roadmap to my board um, in early December. And uh, and I was nervous because uh, I was I was raising a mirror, right? And I was being very candid um, and, and very clear about what we needed to work on as an organization. And I did the same exact thing for our, our staff team so that we made sure that we were all on the same page and they knew the ways that they would be able to engage and be a part of this journey with me. So, so that's quite a bit of work done in six weeks. How did you, I'm yes. curious, so maybe for new CEOs out there, how did you approach that? How did you structure who you were going to speak to and how are you were going to speak to him or her? So I started, of course, with my executive team uh, and, and really getting the landscape from each one of them. Uh, and then, you know, I make it a, 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 a practice annually for myself that I meet with everybody in our organization at least once a year to really just take, you know, some time. And, and those meetings really run the gamut of like, of I have teammates who come in and tell me all of these really cool ideas that they have. And then I have other teammates who come in and, and just want to have a personal conversation and get to know each other better. Um, so, but, you know, but really taking the time. So the executive team and then key leaders within our team, I met with a number of board members um, and, and, and got their input. Uh, reviewed our strategies, our strategic plan, um, where we were at with, um, you know, we had just we had just finished a um, DEI um, survey and assessment, you know, so I took in all of this, we did a whole brand assessment as well, I took in all of this information so that, um, you know, formal studies, and then also just my informal and, you know, relationship building within the organization, but I knew that I quickly needed to have a framework in place, right? Um, to be able to say that I don't have all of the answers of how we're solving all of this now, but but immediately here are the thing, the challenges that I see and the opportunities in front of us and, and a roadmap by which we're going to tackle all of these things. And, and when you gave that PowerPoint presentation to the board and then to staff, was it well-received? Were there question marks or people scratching their head? So it was, it was fun. It was fun. I say, <laughs> um, one of my board members, uh, asked me, you know, 
they, I, well, first of all, I presented this and then they were all looking at me and I thought to myself, oh my goodness, please, please, please. Somebody say something, somebody ask a question, somebody. And, um, and one of the board members raised his hand and said, this is a lot to tackle, um, you know, in, a, in, in, in the time frame that you've listed this out. Do you, do you feel like you might be um, taking on too much? And, um, and I, I was, I responded to him and I said, I said, unfortunately, I, um, I don't think that we have the, um, the grace or the ability or the space to wait. Um, we have to tackle these things and, um, we, we just, we don't have the time or the ability to, to not put any of these deprioritize or put any of these things on the back burner. Um, the, the, we have, I have a bias for action. We got to get these things done now, um, in order to stem the tide of, you know, challenges that we were facing as well as to move the organization forward. I'm just, I, we don't have the luxury of waiting. And I sat down and my board chair leaned over to me and he said, that was the right answer. And I'm like, okay, good. Um, but, um, but then I also, um, you know, I created a, um, I did a webinar for my team. Um, and so that way they had a recording of it. They could go back to it. They could, you know, they could reference it. And I got great input from them as well as just being the, the clarity, gosh, you know, like when, like when a um, when a plane is experiencing turbulence, the first thing that you want to do is you want to hear from the pilot and you want to hear from the flight attendants about like, you know, you're on the right track. This is what we're doing. This is the game plan. And so I, I know that my team and my board expects the same thing from me. Um, and, and so, you know, that was, that's just one of my key values. And so just having that clarity and having them be able to see where we were heading and what role that they could play within that and have that, that spur conversations was really important. Well, I think your sense of urgency is apparent. I think that's critical for a leader and then creating that framework. So as you assess the culture of the organization, we talked a little bit about culture when we opened up the podcast. What, what was your assessment of the culture and where did you want, how, how, where did you want to take the culture to? So we, we learned a lot in our DEI assessment that we did. And I, I want to thank my predecessor um, who got that started and, um, and, and had that. So basically, we, 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 I received the report as soon as I started at United Way. So it was really great to have that assessment completed. Um, and the assessment did hint at some cultural challenges that might be there. And, and I, was, I was also sensing some cultural challenges that might be existing within the organization from just the siloed design of, um, of our work. Um, I, I sensed um, a lack of trust and engagement, uh, and, and, and those are two really critical things, especially if you need to move big initiatives forward. And so I, I asked and I, I brought on um, a partner to do uh, a, an employee engagement assessment of our team. Um, and I like to use the ENPS score um, we also do a happiness um, indicator score as well um, to really gauge, you know, so I really wanted to, so in January of 2020, we did this engagement study because I really wanted to know like, where, where is my team? I have a sense that, 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 you know, things aren't going so great and we can, there's a, we have a lot of room to improve, but I wanted to hear directly from them. Uh, and that, that survey came back and it showed that our EMPS score which is um, on a spectrum of a minus 100 to a plus 100 was a minus 46.5. And that was just, oh, like I, my, my, just my heart sank to my stomach. And, um, and I, you know, clearly I had a lot of, a lot of work to do. We had a lot of work to do. We had a lot of amending offenses and building trust and improving communication. And I'm so grateful for my team 
for being so um, forthright and the things that they needed that they weren't getting. Um, cause it really helped us to understand where we had gaps and we created a plan. We were very clear. I mean, we shared all of the results very openly with our team and we talked about the things that we were going to be putting in place to improve. And, and so where do you want to take that culture to, and, and what are some steps you've actually put into place that are moving the culture? So we presented the results of that survey I want to say it was late February, early March. Um, um, was right around the time of um, of the onset of COVID. Uh, so, you know, we so we we were receiving this news and then also you know planning and putting together how we were going to become a completely virtual work environment and address all of these engagement challenges with our team and also be you know be there for our community. And we launched a COVID response and recovery fund. We, we, you know, we raised nearly $2 million and getting that out to NARC to our community, convening our partners. But what I, one of the, one of the best things that I think that we did was um, at the onset of COVID when we were all working virtual hundred percent and like not, you know, all of us, many of us had never had a, an experience job wise where we were completely virtual. And um, so I started these things called the huddles um, and we had, so it was a, and we, so that we had like a way to start our day. So we had, we had them twice a day at the beginning. We had them twice a day, um, every day where at 830 AM, we got together. We, 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 cause especially in those early days when things were so dynamic and changing and you were learning and, um, and we were figuring everything out. It just was a great, I mean, everybody, we all came together, we shared, we, you know, we had, you know, just, uh, it was an easy way to get information out. And then we would wrap up the day. So it was, it was almost like you're heading into work, but you're working from home. And then you're wrapping things up at the end of the day. It was just, it was really nice to, to bring us all together virtually. So, you know, the things that I really needed to work on were collaboration amongst our team, strengthening that trust in not only in, you know, within our team, but also with the senior, with senior leadership. Um, of the organization, um, being more supportive and understanding of our team's needs, breaking down silos and in increasing that communication. And so I think by the very nature of one of the, you know, one of the biggest things that impacted this was, you know, coming together in a crisis really does, you know, it's one of those, uh, the, one of those experiences that we can have that really bring people together many times. And, and when we, br we brought ourselves together on the huddle, like it wasn't based on departments. It wasn't based on like your job role. It was all of us together sharing everything that we were doing. I think that was transformational for us. And, um, and then within a year, um, we improved our EMPS score from a minus 46.5 to a plus 29. Wow. Um, and yeah, I, I was, I cried. Like I was, I just was, I was so grateful that our team, um, you know, just felt that we were making strides in the right direction to, um, to address their needs and to improve the support that they had at our organization. So even before COVID hit, you intentionally realized you needed to focus internally on your team members versus, because a lot of people come and say, oh, I've got to go out and talk to the world. I need to talk to all my stakeholders. And really, then the internal folks take a back seat, back seat excuse me, just inherent in, in time limitations. But you intentionally went in and said, I have got, and then COVID hit. So you were even doing this before COVID hit. Yeah. So wh why is it? That's really interesting. What, what made you realize I've got to go this route? 
Well, I, some of it was by necessity. Um, and, and I'm so grateful. <laughs> My COO um, left to become a CEO of another organization. So um, shortly after I joined United Way Suncoast. So I, I, I needed to step in operationally um, until I hired and brought somebody on. And I brought a, a wonderful partner on um, and, and Bimitra Simmons. And, um, and she was an amazing um, you know, leader for us. So, you know, I, that the, with the leadership transition, I needed, that was a necessity to do that. But then also like when you're, when you're listening, when I was in that listening zone of like, of understanding where we were at, um, I could clearly see that operationally we could strengthen on so many levels. And if I, I could do all of this, this outside work, and I still did, I, I mean, I still was very present and like showing up in community as much as I possibly could. Um, but, um, but if, if we did, if I, you know, even if I had a lot of success in bringing things in and, and doing and, you know, and, and helping and improving our organization, we, we still had all of these things that we needed to address internally. And we weren't going to be successful in the long run if I didn't, if I didn't have that focus. So, um, and I had, a, like I said, a great partner, um, in the leadership team of Bimitra and, um, you know, some of our other executive team members who really helped us in those, you know, in my, you know, first within my first year of being at United Way Suncoast to, to help us improve our operations internally. Can you talk a little bit about how the huddle was structured? How long were those meetings? And then how have you continued that now that we're kind of half and half? Yeah. So I, yeah, we're three years, you know, three or yeah, three years um, since we, you know, began this journey. Um, so we, so I was hosting every huddle. And then um, by the summertime of 2020, um, we had, we had other people volunteer to step up to host the huddle. So then it became, you know, a part of just the, what we do. And then it, it just organically, um, we, we got, we, we stopped the morning huddles. We only had them in the afternoon because we didn't, you know, we just didn't need it that much. And, uh, and we had, and then it just evolved into team member Tuesdays where the team member would create a PowerPoint deck about themselves and share it with the team. And my goodness, we learned so many amazing things like black belt and jujitsu and like the famous people that they met or they wrote a book or they climbed this ridiculous mount. I mean, the most amazing things that you learn or talents and, and things that you learn about your team in that process. Um, and then we had recognition Wednesdays. Um, but at the end of every huddle, um, we have this thing called happy heart and hoping and where the whole team can share and anybody, and it, you know, it's not a, all of this is optional, by the way, I should say that completely optional to attend the huddle and to participate and, and to speak up all optional, but we have 75% um, of our organization who shows up. Um, so, um, you know, maybe somewhere between 50 and 75% shows up on each huddle, but, um, uh, but the happy, you know, share what you were, ha made you happy that day, what was hard or what you're hoping for. And those have also just really where people can just share and be themselves and talk, especially when we were in the height of the pandemic and man, I, you know, and I know, I know everybody experienced the same thing in their organizations where so many of our team, um, we know we're experiencing loss and just, you know, some hardships. It was really a nice place to know that you could come together at your work and with your team and feel supported and heard and understood. Um, so that was, you know, an incredibly important to us. We still host the huddles today, three days a week. It's a, we have a whole huddle host committee that everybody volunteers 
and they just, and, and they do some of the most creative things. Like there's music, sometimes there's games, like it's, it's, it's pretty, there's always trivia. Now our, now we have a teammate who does dad jokes every week. Um, I mean, it's just, it's, it's just really evolved into this really special part of, of our culture. Well, it, it does sound like that. I'm sitting here trying not to burst out laughing into the microphone because I just think that's classic. And, you know, it, it, you really are, when you learn about the people you work with, they're they're amazing, I mean, right? We, we only know people eight to five or whatever it is in, in the context of their work. But when we take the time to step back and get to know them, allow them to, to share, it's really remarkable what, what people around us have accomplished and what they do. So so when you started having those huddles, I'm I'm Curious about this, because I remember during the height of the pandemic, the last thing I wanted to do was get on a Zoom. You know, you're, you're tired. For some reason, we were so, I, I was so tired. And I wasn't even going anywhere. Maybe it was the problem. So, so, so how, did you, how did you make sure every huddle was upbeat, positive? How, how did you go into it and keep yourself motivated? Well, goodness. Well, I will say that not everyone was upbeat, motivating, and positive because I mean, my goodness, we are we were leading through and and supporting our community through some very heavy and hard things. And and sometimes, you know, we did have some heavy conversations or heavy sharing and sadness and um and just really holding those holding space for those conversations, right? Um, because you also, you know, June of 2020 was, um, you know, also that our social justice awakening and the murder of George Floyd. And so you also had those conversations that our team also wanted to talk about. Uh, and, and so holding space for difficult and challenging conversations was important and, and recognizing that we, we were, we were that work environment for people to feel comfortable to share um, and, and also be supportive of them was, you know, incredibly important, so, but for, for, by and large, our huddles are full of energy and, um, and lots of really, really fun sharing and, and especially now just updates and successes and, and how we're moving things forward and, and stories of how we're helping our community and, and all of that is awesome. Um, but it, there's, I mean, we're, the heart is there and we have to acknowledge it. We can't ignore it. And when you came in, and of course, we, we talked about changing the culture. Did you have to change the structure of the organization to meet you, you know, that, that original PowerPoint plan that you said, this is the direction we need to go in order to, to have our impact, what we're capable of? Did you have to look in at the structure of the organization and change things? Yes, uh, we, we definitely had to do that. You know, we, we were very much um, siloed in um, communities, um, so we, we had... We had area presidents who were serving each of our communities um, and our counties, and which is awesome. And we have wonderful, wonderful leaders in those roles. But as we had some retirements that uh, that over the last few years, and I'm so happy for them. I mean, that next stage of life is always, um, you know, just exciting, and it's it's a reward and a recognition for amazing careers, and I'm thrilled for them. And that gave us the opportunity to rethink, you know, how were we showing up? Because you know, we have three um, main priorities of early learning, youth success, and financial stability. And we were, you know, executing these very effectively, but but maybe not looking at how all of these are interconnected and how we could we could really bring all of this together and share best practices across our counties and and have some consistency and the way that we were executing. Um, and so now we have one chief impact officer 
and we have specific, you know, leadership within that team that um, is helping to advance our, our strategic priority areas, but we're not solely focused on, you know, county boundaries, although every single one of the, of the ways and strategies that we that we implement to address these priorities are based on community needs. And we know that every community is a little bit different and has different needs and different ways that we're going to be able to accomplish that. So we're very, very much still very laser focused locally and meeting those needs, but balancing a lot better in that collaboration about how we're, we're really weaving the needle through all, all three of our priority areas and bringing our entire team together to um, for those creative solutions and strategies and making sure that we're remaining connected. And that has strengthened the engagement of our team. It strengthens how we show up in community. It strengthens how we can talk about our mission and advance our work. So there's just, there's been all kinds of benefits that come from that. Um, and in, it's, you know, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful that we've been able to really take our time and evolve in the ways that made sense for the organization. We didn't force this. It was, you know, it was it's very intentional and thoughtful and we evolved as we were um, implementing our strategic plan and getting the right leaders in place. Well, I, I think it's a testament surely to your leadership because three years is not a, a long period of time. It's been relatively short. And what, what most folks, most of the listeners will know, you know, United Way is such a community-based organization. You're a, an assimilation, an amalgamation of multiple United Ways over the years that have come together. And so you, you've had that ongoing challenge of, hey, this is my, my backyard, as opposed to looking at the entire five-county area, which you've done extremely well, bringing that focus to somehow balancing both of those, the, looking at the aggregate group and also going very deep in each respective community. So Jessica, how, how do you, this is right up your alley, how do you ensure the lines of communication stay up? You're a communications person. In order to do what you've done, you've got to just over-communicate, right? So people hear you. How, how, do you, how do you as CEO do that? How do you ensure people are hearing what needs to be heard? So I, one of my core values as a leader is radical transparency. And, and it is very important to me that we communicate clearly, comprehensively, and quickly. Uh, and even if we don't have all of the answers, uh, we will say that we don't have all of the answers. We're figuring it out, but here's what we know so far. Uh, so, it, it, so with, with, with our communication, um, so we have our huddles, which is a, awesome channel for communication where we have a, a SharePoint site. We've really invested um, both time and, um, and, and, and consolidating our platforms, our internal operational platforms so that it's easier for people to be connected. They don't have to log into five different places um, and, um, and, and to be able to, you know, we have, we're, we're a Microsoft Teams organization now and Teams has been awesome. Like for all of the channels that we have and the, the collaboration there, um, has been very helpful in improving that that communication. But you know that radical transparency piece is really important to me because we only we do that both internally operationally as well as externally with our community. With internally, how we see this manifest is, you know, our team we 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 present the financials to our team on a monthly basis. Get sent out like here are the financials of the organization. This is how we're doing, just so that you have that knowledge and you you're you're empowered with that knowledge. Um, and we share, you know, we have dashboards and we share how we're, how we're performing, you know, across key metrics and are we meeting our goals? We have an entire 
alignment team and for structure for our strategic plan where um, you know, we have our strategic priorities, we have the leaders who are advancing them, and then we have these teams that get together twice a year to talk about the progress that we're making and to, to be able to, you know, identify those risks, those opportunities, um, and, and documenting all of that. So as an organization, there is a clear line of sight to how we're moving everything forward um, related to our strategic plan. And how we see this externally is we have dashboards that we've built. So we have our housing affordability crisis dashboard. We have our child care crisis dashboard, our early learning dashboard, you know, is, that's part of it, it's all in one. Um, we're really using better visualization tools for our impact data. Um, and, you know, all of this is really important because, you know, we, we want our community to know about the impact of our work and we want them to know about the community conditions that exist and, and for the reasons why we have, you know, these priorities and, and the reasons why we're focusing on what we're focusing on but it's also to bring more, more champions and more partners in to tackling these big issues. Um, and and that, that has proven to be successful for us. Well, and it certainly has been successful. Let me ask you two, two final questions. If you were to become CEO of United Way Suncoast again, going back three years, is there anything you would do differently? Um, my goodness. You know, when I, I was thinking about this um, and I, I think that and you're going to laugh at me because I, 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 when I thought about this, I was like, even more communication <laughs> oh, <laughs> and make changes and perhaps make some changes more quickly. Um, you know, I think that uh, sometimes we, we, when we're, especially when we're evolving and, you know, and doing transformational work, we want to be very thoughtful about the rate of change. Uh, and, but I do think in some instances, um, changing things a little bit more quickly might have, might have served us better. Um, you know, cause hindsight is always, you know, a great, a great view. Uh, but you know, but I, I do think that, you know, it truly is there are maybe some areas where I, um, could have communicated a little bit more or better, even though this is a huge like priority of mine. Um, you know, but I, I, you know, I think that to me, truly, like you can never over communicate. You really can't. Um, and and if you have like, and, and it has to be a multi-layered, multi-channel way of doing that. And and so, you know, for for us, like, you know, we 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 built the infrastructure of all these different channels that we have to keep our team connected. Um, so it, I, I do think those are the two the two big things for me. Well, I think you've certainly done a remarkable job just in the transformation in the last three years of that organization. Let me ask one final question, and this is to the budding CEOs out there. What advice would you give to a new CEO who's coming in and he or she needs to change the culture of the organization? So first and foremost is 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 to be present um, and, and show up in a very authentic, vulnerable, this is who I am kind of way, because that is what builds connection with people. And, you know, before I arrived at United Way Suncoast, I actually sent my team because I, I, I needed to personalize, right? They need to know, like, I'm human, I'm a person and here's what's important to me and here's a little bit about me. So I created this little, like, this visual infographic of like, this is Jessica, this is who I am. And, um, and I look forward to getting to know each one of you. I sent that the night before I started at United Way Suncoast, but it is really important to be present and to be you know, and when I say present, like phone away, not a screen, like one-to-one -one or in a group, like, you know, eyes and, 
and listening and engaging in you know authentic ways. I think that that's an incredibly important. You already talked. You already heard me talk about radical transparency. If that was the challenge in your organization um, or something that could be an opportunity, that is something that builds trust um, in, in in really powerful ways. Um, and I I just I couldn't recommend that more. It takes courage um, to do that, and and um, and and you know sometimes it also you know, it enables some challenging conversations, but if you're not having those conversations, they're being had other places in the organization. It's best if they're had open and, and things that you can address proactively. And, you know, and the other thing that I would say is, is huge is, is your follow through is, you know, once, once you get like you, and you have an understanding of the things that you're going to do, do what you say you're going to do. Your follow through is what also, reinforces that trust and relationships with your team. And I'm so glad you said that because people are watching when you're new CEO, they are watching and they are listening and they want to know if you're really going to do what you say you're going to do. So follow up. Absolutely incredible. Well, Jessica, you have clearly uh, ascended to one of the top leaders in our community. I, you are so well respected. This has been an absolute honor and a privilege in which you've done with the United Way, which was not a bad organization. Oh. It was a very good, strong organization. You have really moved into another orbit, if you will. And I'm just excited to see what you can be able to do and the impact you make on our community. So thank you so much for spending time with us today. Oh, I so appreciate you, Michael. Thank you. I appreciate this opportunity. All right, so now it's recapping with Reed. We do this after every interview. We just had a tremendous interview with Jessica Muroff. She's really a, a superstar in our region. So Reed, what were your three takeaways from Jessica? My three points are all characteristics or aspects of being a good leader that Jessica has exemplified. And the first one is to have a bias for action. The second one is to have radical transparency. And the third is to follow through, do what you say you're going to do. You know, what's interesting, and those are great observation, Reed, and what's interesting about those is all those are soft skills that can be learned. You know, they're not necessarily hard skills, but they can be soft skills and, and can be learned. And, and you're right, she exemplifies those. And those are, and she would probably even agree with this following statement. If you do those as a leader, there's a pretty good chance you're going to be successful. So thank you, recapping with Reed, and to everybody out there, I-501, see you next week.